Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 160. After a fashion, this is yet another live-to-tape savage burn, poorly prepared for, thrown together at the last minute after another bitch of a week podcast, but at least, by God, we're doing one. <laughs> no, sa- this is this is a, a, a skilled podcraft made by... Podcraft, yes. <laughs> Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. Podcast. Cobbled yeah. together by... <laughs> creative artisans uh, yes <laughs> the sad thing is this past week was our version of things settling down over the last month or so it's nothing flooded uh, things were uh, repaired uh, the biggest thing we had to deal with that started early in the week and fucking culminated today we're, we're taping this on Monday night Hurricane Irma just went through South Florida my folks live in South Florida now let's start with they're fine not for lack of trying to get themselves fucking killed on each end of this fucking storm. It, and after uh, Harvey last week decimated Texas, and it looked like Irma was going towards South Florida, my brother and I separately tried to talk my parents into, yeah, maybe you want to get the hell out of the track of doom, <laughs> which appears to be heading right at your home. And for about a day and a half, I got, particularly from my dad, it's I've got garage door braces and storm shutters, and I've got things over the windows, and I've got a generator. <laughs> you know what else you got? About 10 feet above sea level, for fuck's sake. <laughs> None of that shit's going to help if you're on your roof. Yeah. So And there's a giant tree in their backyard that could go at any time. Oh, yeah, this horrible monstrosity, this 30-foot-tall... Ficus. Yeah. The, the thing that innocently sits in your house and grows pale and wan and sheds leaves everywhere, apparently, if you plant it outside, it turns into some sort of monstrosity. Well, I think if you plant it outside in South Florida, where there's strange fauna <laughs> that can destroy it, it, it becomes the Hulk. <laughs> it's, it hulks out. It's... you've. Don't make me angry, Mr. Ficus. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they've got th- this thing to worry about that could tilt in any direction if the wind hits it. Finally, after a day and a half or so, on like Tuesday, it's like, all right, fine, we'll go. And then it's, uh, all right, great. You're evacuating with the rest of Florida. This is Florida. You've heard of Florida Man. <laughs> Florida Man is now on the road with my folks <laughs> in every direction and he's pissed and he doesn't have enough water and he's armed to the teeth so it takes my parents a full day to get out of Florida finally they get to my brother's uh, a little further north uh, out of the out of the danger zone and sure enough the, the track went right over their house uh, so all Sunday it's on and off talking, talking with them it's oh it, it, everything will be fine you put up all your stuff and at least you're not there so at least everybody can relax that my parents are out of harm's way. That was Sunday as the storm is going through Florida. Monday morning, it's still going through northern Florida. And into Georgia. Right, into Georgia. I get a text from my dad. We want to get a jump on things. We're driving south to Georgia. <laughs> We're going to Atlanta today. I, so I finally get him on the phone uh, and like... 11.30 this morning, they're like, oh, it's fine. It's just started raining here. We're just beginning to get to Georgia. Yeah, it's going to get worse. You're driving into it. Yeah, they finally, <laughs> they call me about an hour and a half ago and say, we made it. Oh, and thank God, the state police were out dealing with trees down. My parents drove into a Category 1 fucking hurricane. <laughs> now, granted, the alternative is wait a day and drive south with Florida man, who's now all keyed up from days of the cocaine and the meth Going to see whether the or the tra- lack of the cocaine and the lack of the meth. Right, going to see if the trailer's still there with the cocaine and the meth. So he's a little edgy. So it's almost <laughs> six of one, half a dozen of the other. But you might be able to reason with Florida man. Not so much Irma. Irma Florida man isn't going to like chuck a whole tree at your car. <laughs> no matter how much meth he eats, they might come at you with a, a tire iron. Uh, yeah, but, but they're not going to chuck a whole tree at your car uh, or a whole car at your car. <laughs> so. Basically, my parents evacuated a hurricane so that they could turn around and drive back into it and still wind up having to spend a night dealing with a Category 1 hurricane going through Atlanta. 
Ask me again why I seem so insane. It's, it certainly can't have anything to do with my genetics or my upbringing. <laughs> so that was a large part of the week, just dealing with this evacuation secondhand and my brother swearing to God, I've got plenty of room and it's you know trying to deal with that. And then, yeah, we find the flooding is all resolved. But like we said in last week's show, the, the rest of the, the home office studio here we had to clear out our whole storage area because uh, that's what flooded. So it still looks like a bomb hit it in here. So like a genius, I decided to order shelving off the internet <laughs> while I was drinking. You never do that. I, I know. It's usually Blu-rays and DVDs. <laughs> it's like Night of the Comet. What the fuck did I order this? That's a movie Rody. that showed up this week. <laughs> Rody, I'm still waiting on. Thanks for that. But, <laughs> And it was literally a case of I measured the the room and said, okay, the room is about 77 inches wide and 80 inches tall. Oh, this giant heavy steel shelving is exactly 76 inches wide and 76 inches tall. It'll fit perfectly. And somewhere around beer six or seven, the little voice in my head didn't say, asshole, you're going to have to build this somewhere. But <laughs> just because you're paying extra to have Home Depot deliver this doesn't mean it's going to miracle itself into this no. exact space where it's going to fit. No, it's 200 pounds shelving some assembly required. All, all <laughs> assembly required. Well, now, to be fair, the two of the side pieces came with struts that were cross-hatched to it, so we didn't have to do that part. Oh, I didn't have to weld. Thank God. <laughs> With the way things have gone, it, it would have been easier to just intentionally burn the fucking house down. <laughs> so we, we get this thing, and there's no way to get it through the house, so we have to truck it around the back through the back door. We get everything in here. It's like, all right, how are we going to put this together? Let's look for a video online, and every video... Amanda's the only one who could find the videos. And, and the videos, she found, every one of them said, okay, take everything out into your driveway. You're going to need room to build these. No, they, they said, you can probably build it by yourself, but make sure you have enough room. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to fit it into exactly the space where it fits. Because it, we don't really have a backyard. We, we have um, about 10 feet of pine needle and rock and then a drop-off. Yeah, and even <laughs> if we had a beautiful basketball court-style backyard paved and level... The shelves are seven and a half feet by seven and a half feet. They're not coming in the door. Yeah, it's not coming in the six foot eight door. So literally, I I had to duct tape these struts to the side It was glorious. And Amanda holding one of them so I could get things level and a couple of the struts in place. I built it from inside the shelving. After The construction is coming from inside the shelving. The directions say, it'll take about an hour and a half to build these. After, Lies! After about five hours inside the shelving, I said, Amanda, you know what I want for dinner? Like, Whoever will deliver, because I live here now. This is where I live. This is my home. Oh, It's six hours it took to build the things. And I am not in any kind of... I'm a middle-aged comic book geek. I kept I, offering to tag in. Oh, yes. Like, I'm going to submit you to that kind of <laughs> physical torture. Uh, Amanda, could you lift this heavy steel strut up and and mallet it into place with as much force as humanly possible? I believe I would like a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm <laughs> middle age, which means somewhere somebody tried to teach me about chivalry and shit. Doesn't work out most of the time because I'm an alcoholic. But they tried a cocktail. So rye and moxie. Uh, more likely, fine. <laughs> Actually, not uh, Berkshire Brewing Company. We're trying something different. A little cranky session IPA from Stony Creek Beer. So so not a comment on your current state of mind, just the name of the beer. Uh, it would be more a little bitchy if it was more like <laughs> state of mind. So yeah, I figured, oh, this hour and a half project on Saturday. Wipe me out for the whole weekend. I, after we finished the shelving, I weekly sipped beer while watching a James Bond movie. James Bond was about the highest my brain could handle at that point. <laughs> Uh, and then Sunday, yeah, was be awake for an hour and f- fall asleep on the couch for 45 minutes. And checking Just, with your parents. Yeah, and well, yeah, with my parents calling in, making sure that would, that would be what would wake me up. To, uh, Mom, it's, it's all fine. You're, <laughs> you're well out of danger. <laughs> as long as you don't do something stupid behind the wheel. We were somewhere around Barstow, on the edge of the desert, when the drugs began to take hold. And we drove. 
into a Category 1 hurricane. <laughs> I have to say, though, that, that duct taping various parts of that shelving to the walls for support was a stroke of genius. More desperation. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to say there was a plan. It was like something under Mythbusters. <laughs> Mythbusters. I mean, you didn't blow it up afterwards, but... <laughs> I wanted to. I seriously <laughs> fucking considered it. It's, it's So it's together, and it's beautiful, and I have not had the energy to put anything on them yet. <laughs> so everything's still on the fucking floor behind the studio. It's true. It, we, at this point now, we just kind of open the closet, walk in there, go, wow, Rob built that. And then we kind of stumble back out again. I'm going to start <laughs> calling the, the storage area the TARDIS, because it must be bigger <laughs> on the inside to be able to build this monstrous. And it fits perfectly. It, it looks, does. It looks like somebody built them into place. On purpose. Like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and there's no blood stains. We cleaned that shit up. <laughs> you know how hard it is to get blood out of drywall? I've said too much. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, we're on the air. <laughs> I, I we have, have some stuff to talk about that's actually comics related. Uh, well, at least genre related. We got a couple comics we're going to talk about uh, and a couple other genre related things uh, of which I literally, I've got a reporter's notebook here and half of one page <laughs> of notes. But they're deep thoughts. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you got to work with me here. <laughs> I, I, I've got the credits of the two books we're going to talk about. So All I right. Have, so I don't have to sound so amateur as to say, can you pass me the book? I forget who wrote Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, which thing, there were two, there was, there was a debut and uh, I think an initial television airing of a web property that we caught yes. uh, this weekend. Yeah, there was a, I think a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe, I think it was a Kickstarter, uh, Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion put together a web series called Con Man. <laughs> yeah, which looked interesting. It's not something I contributed to. Uh, I didn't have any particular reason not to. I think I intended to and... Uh, life I, happened. Life got in the way and uh, figured out. <laughs> Duct tape, failure, doom, <laughs> flooding. Flooding. <laughs> Real Wrath of God stuff. <laughs> I don't have that one. Uh, I don't have that sound effect. But uh, So yeah, I never got around to it. And it finally aired on, it debuted on the Sci-Fi Channel this weekend. Yes. Uh, was it this weekend? or did I, we... I think it was this weekend. It, it feels like this weekend was a very long time ago. It, it really does. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, and the first couple episodes you paid more attention to, I, I paid more attention. As well, because that was long. after you were still coming off the adrenaline high of, I built that. <laughs> yeah, and trying to tamp that down with uh, as much beer as I could get in my head before I passed out, which was not nearly as much as I would have hoped. So I, I started sort of idly viewing it, and it's it's enjoyable, I I don't know that I would have gone out of my way to watch it had they not run a marathon of it on sci-fi. Well, the the conceit, and again, showing how ill-prepared we are, it would have been a matter of moments for me to Google before the show <laughs> whether there was another season or whether this there is, is an another season. concern. Okay, good. I don't know if there's another season after the second season. Okay. So there's does this second season exist? I think so. <laughs> Thank God this is on the internet, because I'd cancel us. <laughs> I, uh, it's... The the conceit is exactly what real life is. Alan Tudyk uh, and Nathan Fillion and the entire cast of Serenity were on a Serenity-like show that was vastly beloved by fans and canceled too soon. Nathan Fillion went on to great fame and fortune. I guess you can call Castle great fame and fortune if you want to. <laughs> while, yes. While Tudyk toils at sci-fi and comic conventions uh, and is constantly trying to get additional work and branch out, but feels pigeonholed by, I was in this one really excellent thing that everybody loves, and I can't seem to move on from it. Season one of the show premiered on Vimeo. <clears throat> okay. And it, it was a the uh, result of a crowdfunding effort. It um, In April 2015, it earned more than $3 million. It was an Indiegogo. It's always the one I forget. It's like GoFundMe, Kickstarter. This was an Indiegogo. Note to self, start Indiegogo. <laughs> Note to self, be on beloved science fiction show, then start Indiegogo. Yes. And then season two uh, premiered in late 2016 on Comic-Con HQ. Oh, that's right. That's another thing I keep meaning to give money to yes. that I never quite get around to. Now, whether there's a season three, that's, that's not something that the internet is answering for me right at this moment. Okay, so it may have a future, it may not. Uh, we may be talking about a thing that everybody's already seen. 
But we saw it. God, we suck so much. <laughs> God, life has to even the fuck out so I can start preparing for this fucking show again. So, But sci-fi at this point has acquired seasons one and two. Okay. Does it say when season two will be airing? It does not. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I'll find out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Here, this is my imitation of our listeners. Short sure, Samples. Our shit's not together. <laughs> it's I just think not. next I should eat something loudly into the microphone. <laughs> okay, let's Perhaps talk about the actual throat. show. That uh, the parts that worked for me were the parts at conventions. Uh, it was clearly hyperbole and over the top, but it sort of captured the sort of uber fan and you know the various types of fandom. There was the the sub convention of people who were adopting dolls. Which felt very uh, brony creepy. to me. <laughs> I was going to say brony, but creepy also works. Yeah, it, it's a celebration of fandom, certainly, and it, it's viewed through the lens of Tudyk is playing an exaggerated version of himself. Which at least I hope it's exaggerated, because otherwise, the guy's a dick. Um, <laughs> an actor who has been on this sci-fi series and and is only just beginning to appreciate his fans, but mostly would rather be doing other more serious work. Which, to be fair, is reminiscent of about the first act of Galaxy Quest. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, was, there were a lot of parallels that I found there. Uh, a little more forgiving of conventions and fandom. But then again, Galaxy Quest was, what, 99, 2000? Yeah. So San Diego Comic-Con and convention culture hadn't really crossed over into anything resembling the mainstream. Yeah, and so it, you did get to see... it truth about some things like what it's like if you are not um good to your fans how they can turn on you <laughs> uh yeah i'm trying to think of a real life analog <laughs> well i think anything on social media these days where if somebody does something that is perceived as not what the fans want then the fans get mouthy whereas we saw in the convention sense and actually we've seen this a little bit in some conventions when somebody brings to a creator or entertainers' attention, the fact that they are displeased with something, they're willing to go up to the microphone and and say what's on their mind. Yeah, I mean, that's always been part of convention culture. I guess you don't necessarily see it if you haven't been to a lot of them. But I think for, for Tudyk to put it in the show. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's also, it's really pretty rare. We've been to a lot of conventions, and the number of, you know, four shames you get compared to... Uh, Awesome. Well, they certainly showed in a, a lot of of the. Oh, we think you're awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it it showed a reasonable cross section of convention culture, I guess, and it showed a certain amount of highly, again, hyperbolic behind the scenes stuff. The whole season, the first season, gears eventually toward Nathan Fillion has been his character has been dangling out hope that he will get the rights to the the failed sci fi property. And be able to make a movie a la Serenity. Yeah, which is something that Fillion has said now and again a few years ago. I wonder if I can get the rights to Firefly and Serenity. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a Fox, Fox is, is well known for giving up their rights. Uh, that's why Ike Perlmutter has made the Fantastic Four go away. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it was fun to view. Um, I Again, I don't know that I would go out of my way to look for it per se, but it, I'm glad that sci-fi has it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a way to, to kill a, an evening when you want to be dead because everything hurts, <laughs> it was certainly fine. Uh, certainly came off a, a, a little more irritating than the good old... I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, it was fun. Uh, again, if you've seen Galaxy Quests, there's probably eh, there's a little more of the behind the scenes stuff. Certainly, the cameos were uh, yeah the most fun. Uh, although, what universe Conman is in, where Milo Ventimiglia is still a giant draw? <laughs> he he was a draw for voiceover stuff in this. I I don't know if he has a a rich and storied voiceover acting. Hey, wait, I have IMDb. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's just do the whole fucking show prepping on the fly through the phones. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> this show is terrible. Stop listening to this show, everybody. This is just awful. It's going to make you actively dumber. And I wish I could say I was sorry. Oh. 
do we have anything else about con men? No. For fuck's sake. No. All right. Now we've talked about con men. <laughs> we also watched the Orville premiere, which was on Sunday night at eight. Yes, which is uh, Seth MacFarlane's new Fox. It's Family Guy in the Sky. Uh, kinda. <laughs> it's. It's one of those things that they've been advertising the shit out of it all summer long, and it is, yeah, they've definitely marketed it as sort of a comedy Star Trek. Uh, I'm not sure if that's completely accurate. Yeah, it, it, watching McFarland take the humor that he's known for and try to stretch it into an hour-long conceit was... Uh, I found that given that a lot of his humor tends to deal with the concept of, of repetition or drawing something out longer than it ought to be for the purposes of cringe, and then you're laughing because, oh, God, when is this going to stop? Yeah. In something that's that's going to be an hour-long show, it's just like, ooh. <laughs> well, I don't think I saw too many examples of that. It's a, What I took from this was this was less an attempt to space balls up Star Trek and more an attempt to do Star Trek with regular dudes yes. uh, on the spaceship. Well, where, where I saw some of the... We're, we're repeating something needlessly, perhaps. Granted, it's the pilot episodes. They're trying to establish characters fairly strongly. Uh, they're having McFarland as the captain of this ship, and... His exo, because they couldn't find anybody else, is his ex-wife who cheated on him with some sort of squid monster that inked everywhere when they were busted by McFarland. <laughs> yeah, let's let's make no mistake. While I don't think he's trying to make this a comedy, it did open up with a jizz joke. It did. Uh, it did. If it continues in that way, I'm not sure how, <laughs> how long I'll, I'll stick with it. But anyway, go ahead. So the moments of, of awkward banter between the now-divorced couple do it once or twice fine but it it happened over multiple courses of the episode it's like we got it <laughs> we got it i didn't have as much of a problem with that i mean i have <laughs> i've been shut in places with people i've broken up with and what the fuck else do you talk about the weather <laughs> con men you for just, god's sake nobody can talk about con men <laughs> you just don't talk to them you I am your superior officer. Here's what I need you to do. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> no, that's that. I've worked with exes, and it's it's uncomfortable. Yes, even to that. Yeah, it's. I didn't have a problem with that. It's it's one of those things nobody knows how to talk. Yeah, and if it's been acrimonious at all, that yeah, it comes up and people snipe at each other. That part of the humor I didn't have a problem with. It's. It, I, I am probably a key demographic for this show in that I like Star Trek, but I don't love it. I grew up in the original series. I learned to like Next Generation. I never really watched any of the others except for the the modern J.J. Uh, Abrams movies. If you love Star Trek, you are probably not the target audience for this. If you really love Star Trek, you are probably climbing over Seth MacFarlane's <laughs> fence right now. <laughs> to put a paper bag full of dog shit on his front step. It's, it, it is reverent enough to Star Trek uh, that it, it feels like it's trying to do some world building and trying to give us a sense that, no, this has all been thought out and there are adversary races and we've at least thought about some of the technology and how some of these races fit together and how this version of the Federation actually works. But yeah, it's loaded with the concept of uh, yeah what if what if it was what if star trek was an office comedy yeah yeah i think that's accurate and you know what what if um your your navigator likes to have a beer before 9 a.m <laughs> yeah and that's where this is gonna stand or fall because this is ostensibly supposed to be a military organization so on one hand, I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem realistic. On the other hand, I've had buddies in the Marines, and I've seen pictures of them while posted on active duty, drunk to a level that I, a raging drunk, I'm like, wow, you guys really should have ratcheted it back. You had access to live ammunition, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, like embarrassing photographs of in-between duty rosters. So it's, all right, maybe there's a certain amount of realism there. Uh, I'm not a military guy. Uh, I am. I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. You and Alan Tudyk. <laughs> yeah. So, but I could see, all right, maybe there is 
a certain amount of realism there, even though it doesn't feel like it. Because the problem is you don't necessarily, even with Star Trek, you don't compare it to real military. You compare it with fucking Star Trek. Yeah. Where everybody is dignified and nobody has any skeletons in the closet, you know, beyond, you know, oh, I did this maneuver once and I only saved two thirds of the crew. I wake up screaming and piddling in my pants. That's that's an embarrassment in the Star Trek universe. I, I, I tried to get one over on Starfleet Academy with the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. <laughs> And they gave me a command for it. Yeah. That's my secret shame. <laughs> I'm a fucking hero wherever I go. I I once had Pon Far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna compare this to Star Trek, whether it's whether that's an accurate portrayal of military life or not, I tend to doubt it. But the problem is you're always gonna view the Orville through that lens. Yes. And while that lens for me is not this perfect, you know, oh, all things Star Trek and everything is beautiful and how dare you, you know, it's certainly, I've watched Star Trek after a few beers going, you know, no human being, <laughs> you know, reacts to, huh, there's Borg on the ship and they've kidnapped the captain, so I'll just quietly say fire. But no, I'm pants-shittingly enraged. I'm throwing shit at the view screen. I'm calling Locutus an ad. No, wait, Locutus was a, uh, was a, was the captain. Locutus was the captain of the Borg. Uh, well, he, he was, was Picard, Picard as, yeah. Yeah. And mate of the queen of the Borg. Well, that was in First Contact. Yes. And he wasn't Locutus then. She was trying to get him to be Locutus again. Right. So see, I, I know a little bit about Star Trek. I'm not making this shit completely up. Am I? Spaceships go up into the atmosphere. Yes, they do. <laughs> Spaceships are fake. It doesn't matter. I mean, did you... It's a, I kind of liked it, but it's really early. They could really push it way too far into the, oh, there's got to be a joke for everything. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Adrienne Pilecki is growing on me as an actress. She This is not her best work, which is saying something. But... <laughs> well... It, she was fine as Bobby Morris in Agents That's of just it. I think she was directed better there and had better material to work with, so I know she can do better. The problem is that this is a Seth MacFarlane thing, so her character has about as much depth as a piece of tissue paper. Yeah, but all the characters do at this point. There was one... But it's glaring in her case. It's like, all right, she's, you know, she's trying to get back into the captain's good graces after cheating on him... And you know, she's doing this. It's a whole machination. She pulled strings to get him this job and pulled strings to get on board, seemingly for the purposes of propping him back up and possibly trying to get back together with him. It, she probably has the weakest character, and I don't even know the character's name. There but was... but then in the, in the course of it, you know, it's like, they make ham-fisted, we put the two of you together because you have a complementary skill set. Yeah, what's demonstrated in this show is she's smarter than he is. Like I saw this when it was married with children and then I changed the channel. <laughs> I don't know whether that's <laughs> entirely the case. She is definitely some weird amalgam of... It, she, it, no real person is like that. Yeah. You know, I... I <laughs> She cheats on the Seth MacFarlane character and then has so much guilt she wants to actually not only go back to him but help his career and push him along. Uh, nobody's that uh, apologetic. You know, I've gotten drunk and cheated on people and it's like, oh, just pretend it didn't happen. That's as good as it really gets in the real world. It, it seems like the 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 fantasy of, of a guy who really likes Star Trek who get dumped and is looking for something to beat off to. She's going to come crawling back to me. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a fantasy <laughs> element to that character. There absolutely is. So, so I, I was married to this eleven, and I'm a five, and 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 you know she cheated on me, but then she felt guilt, and so she she you know she got me a job, and and now wants to get back together with me, and I'm getting it out of my mom's basement, and yeah, today's a good day. <laughs> I'm the captain. I'm at blackjack and hookers. Forget about the captain. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it is not a, it, particularly for a pilot, it's not perfect. It's got some fucking problems. If you're a serious Star Trek fan, don't fucking watch this. You'll be crazy with hate. It's, 
But, you know, like I said, I certainly sat there going, you know, no real people act the way they do in Star Trek. There's at least a certain amount of I can recognize myself and certain characters. I mean, Jesus, the only character in any Star Trek who was ever designed so that anybody could relate to him was Wesley Crusher. And the people who were supposed to relate to him fucking hated him. Yes. Hated him with a passion. So it's, it's at least an attempt to do that. And if they can have more legitimate Star Trek style space opera, because this is not ever going to be as, oh, we're trying to make it real science as the next generation was. Yeah. At best, they're going to sort of ape that and say, oh, fine, we'll take some of those ideas and just make them whole cloth into this. Yeah. But you can have a, a an interesting, light, sci-fi comedy, you know, with, uh, with a, some fun to it and some action to it. But yeah, man, if you're a Star Trek fan, give this a wide fucking berth. Yeah, as you pointed out, it, it opens on a on a jizz joke, or or just you know they're making fun of how squid ink when they're frightened, but probably a jizz joke. It was it was, it was and it a, ends on a wood joke. What was the wood joke? <laughs> the the redwood that they had grow and destroy the enemy sh- ship. Uh, see, I didn't see that as a dick joke. No, they was... specifically said, "Oh, gut wood." And everybody snickered. Oh, all right. Well, that would, yeah. Okay, that was afterwards. Yeah, then they made the dick jokes. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got any Star Trek paraphernalia. that <laughs> I predict in the next episode, they're going to try to find a way to draw a penis with a Sharpie on somebody. <laughs> well, they made jokes about that, too. Yeah, all right. Look, <laughs> I would say if you're a huge Star Trek fan and or you don't like Family Guy... <laughs> And and this is make no mistake. This is not as hardcore as Family Guy when it comes to the the sense of humor. It's a bit risque, but it's it's nowhere near on that level. True. But yeah, if you hate Family Guy and love Star Trek, you should find something else to do on Sundays. And it shouldn't be too hard to do. <laughs> I mean, did you like it at all? Or? I did. I laughed at it. Okay. I had to be pretty drunk. Well, that helps with almost anything that comes on television. <laughs> I did. I did enjoy it. Okay, but yeah, it's, it's it's. I'm finding that it's very easy to pick apart, so it's going to have to start to get better to keep my attention. Yeah, right now it's relying very much on the guy who did Family Guy is in Star Trek, and it needs to come up with somewhat of its own identity and keep the balance of humor and and sci-fi action to really work out. Yes. And it's far too early to tell if it's even going to be close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, if it's like, uh, I want a good alternative to Star Trek, uh, the DVDs to Babylon 5 are all out there, kids. Yes. Then <laughs> I may get drunk and buy them later. Oh, God. <laughs> Might give us something to talk about, because <laughs> it's not working out today. Again, there almost wasn't a show at all. Uh, I I personally apologize for for my level of uh, preparation for this particular episode. (laughs) I I would apologize, but eh. (laughs) We'll be better prepared next week. Let's talk about a couple of comics. Which which one would you like to start with? Let's start with Spider-Man. Yeah. Number 20. Spider-Man 20. Uh Written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Nico Leon. So yeah, this one I pulled out. It, it really felt like Marvel is now past uh, past uh, Secret Empire and trying like hell to ramp up to the legacy thing. And we've got Vanishing Point slash Generation books coming out. And Marvel has made a point of putting old style looking ads in all their books to try to be retro. Yeah, glaze right over and skip right by him. Yeah, so <laughs> this, and we're now, uh, what, a year and a half, maybe two years after Secret Wars, where the whole theory was going to be great. We will have globetrotting adventures with Peter Parker, the billionaire Amazing Spider-Man, and street-level teenage adventures with Miles Morales, the original Ultimate Spider-Man. And now, yeah, 20 months later, since this is issue 20, Miles Morales is in Japan yeah. doing some form of Anti-organized crime shit on his own with four hundred dollars in his pocket. Yeah, he, you know, for all those moments that they threaten, like you know, with a character like his, why do I have to listen to authority? Why do I have to keep going to school? I'm Spider Man. I can do what I want. 
Yeah, which sounds great in theory, but yeah, the big conceit here is for years he's wanted to go to Japan, which is fine. God knows I've heard that a lot. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder from whom you might have heard that. We have a lot of Asian food in this house, and it's not always my choice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, and, and yeah, his his roommate, Gonki, uh, I'll never pronounce that right. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Uh, says, hey, fine, you've got spider powers and $500. Go to Japan. Okay, and immediately he finds himself somehow in this super-powered, looks-like underground mafia. Yeah, James Bond kind of thing. Yeah, people are giving him uh, tuxedos and firearms to go undercover, but we don't know who. Go to this rooftop, find this briefcase, and the briefcase is a tuxedo and some weapons. And And yeah, somebody is sort of driving his efforts. Literally, he walked with zero ID and no passport, into Japan after the worst planes, <laughs> trains, and automobiles uh, page sequence of Spider-Man travel I have ever seen. It's, it's It would have been better for Bendis to just say, and then Miles got into Japan because reasons. It's, we've got one panel of him literally sticking to the side of an airliner with his shit webbed to the side of it. As one does. Yeah, as no one does. I don't <laughs> care if you've got spider powers or not. It's, it knocked me right out of the book. It's a, Airliners fly at 35,000 feet. That's seven miles. You know how when they say in the event of loss of cabin pressure will give you oxygen? You kind of need oxygen to live up there. You kind of need some kind of climate control to not freeze to death instantaneously. You don't wear a fucking leotard and just sort of stick to the plane that's going 600 miles an hour. <laughs> There's another one of him stowed away on some kind of ocean liner, and he appears to have some kind of box lunch or perhaps something from Burger King. You know, like you get on a fucking box carrying an ocean liner. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was not well thought out by Mr. Bendis. So by the time we're done with that, I don't believe any of this shit. (laughs) It gives us no idea. If he's doing a certain amount of his traveling on an ocean liner... What's it taking him weeks to get there? It doesn't. It doesn't track. And yeah, it's a Spider-Man story where he really doesn't do any Spider-Man shit except beat up a hoodlum uh, that looks his, like a goblin. Yeah, in his street clothes. Yes. And now he's a spy. Yeah, it takes that weird turn. And meanwhile, Gank is living vicariously through Wait, him. So, sorry, what's his name? What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> Gank. Genki? Genke. It's a stupid name. I will call him Steve. Genki. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. I feel like it should be said like your Cartman. Genki. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Genki. <laughs> anyway, I interrupted. I forget what I was saying. No. Um, he's living vicariously through. Genki is living vicariously through texts to uh, Miles. What are you doing now? What's going on here? Oh, by the way, the girl who has a giant crush on you is mooning after you. You should, like, you know, maybe settle that shit up. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since I was a teenage boy, but given the opportunity to do almost anything, go to Japan, go to the moon, uh, lead the USS Orville <laughs> with my beer-drinking buddy, and uh, hook up with a sure thing and maybe get laid, yeah, I'm taking column B every time. <laughs> was that column B? That felt like column D at that point. Uh, d- you maybe. had many items there. It's a, the, the one with the girl is the one I would have taken. Yeah. My, my brain didn't do a lot of thinking for me <laughs> between, say, 12 and 23. <laughs> so uh, even that I didn't particularly buy. Yeah. So this feels a little odd. I don't know if Bendis has some sort of Japan fantasy he himself is playing out. <laughs> For miles. Well, just it feels so weird with all the talk about, yeah, we're going to bring everybody sort of back to their roots. It's legacy, everybody. It's legacy. And then to drop miles in Japan. Yeah. Right at and, the beginning of that. And okay, so he's, he's a Japanophile. Does he actually speak any Japanese? Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a long, boring time for him over there. Not that I'm aware of. He certainly <laughs> doesn't in this particular issue. See, there's your problem right there. <laughs> I have $500 and spider powers and no command of the language. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you don't know that you're beating up a bad guy. You assume it's a bad guy because they're wearing a goblin mask, but you don't know. <laughs> and 
even the internal logic doesn't necessarily track. I don't necessarily want to go to school and live like a regular person anymore. I want to have globetrotting adventures. I want to go to strange places and beat people up. It's like, God, if only somebody in your family had a fast track connection to S.H.I.E.L.D., which would be more than happy to not only do that, but give you Yankee dollars to do it. Yeah, and weren't you just off-planet in Champions? You have that travel <laughs> shit out of your system? Uh, yeah, I mean, for God's sake, you were just in Washington where you went to an interesting place and almost killed an interesting Captain America, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you, you beat the shit out of Captain America, almost killed him. You're going to knock out a Yakuza goon with a <laughs> goblin mask? That's going to fulfill you? Uh, that'll scratch the itch. <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> So, yeah, this, it, it feels very weird with the whole Marvel trying like hell to ape what DC did with Rebirth. And I'm just, uh, if I'm not feeling it right here, and I'm certainly not feeling it particularly in the next book, which is far more of a go back to basics, although it's a basics that I thought we were all sick of. Mm. But but yeah, it's this is not a terrible issue. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it's... This felt like all of a sudden Bendis said, you know... I know I'm really well known for creating Ultimate Spider-Man and everybody loves Miles Morales, but I really wish I was writing Nightwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's what this felt like. <laughs> it, it's possible. Yeah, because yeah, Nightwing is sort of, the, I don't want to say the original, but over the last few years, yeah, between Nightwing and Grayson, yeah, globe-trotting <laughs> spy adventures. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, let's try to turn Miles into Grayson. Yeah. For no particular reason (laughs) and now for reasons (laughs) and for reasons he's in japan (laughs) all right well are you sure because the new champions is out in a week or two i think i don't know miles show me that you want to commit like let's not just see the bento from a distance that you're eating let's see what's in there if you really are committed i'll see natto (laughs) no natto no fucking natto It looks like some, Google it, kids. Looks like somebody snot puked a Rice Krispie treat. It's <laughs> just horrible. Mucilaginous <laughs> baked beans. That's all I have Where's to say. Where's my whiskey funnel? <laughs> <laughs> and the weird thing is, I, I'm ranting about this book. It's not this book's problem. No. It's certainly Peter Parker back in the day. Understand and John Romita. Okay, we'll send him over to England, and let's just all assume that. Oh, Peter Parker in England, Spider-Man in England, nobody notices. Right. There's a certain amount of legacy, to use a word, that is not working very well for me with Marvel right now, of of this kind of travel. Shake things up a little bit. Just the timing feels so weird. Well, and, and the execution just doesn't feel very good. And I'm sure this will probably be addressed. But, okay, so you just ran away from home to the other side of the globe. Yes, your parents are currently fighting with each other because your mom discovered that... You and your father were keeping secrets from her, namely that your father is an agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. and that you're fucking (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. And so now they're not speaking to each other and you're upset. This is totally the catalyst for why you ran away from home. You ran away from home. At some point, we're going to have a storyline where they're like, where the fuck is Miles? (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) given the mother's characterization, even if she's pissed, uh, what will happen is, uh, where's Miles? Oh, he's missing. Let me go straight to the police and say, my son, Miles Morales, who is Spider-Man, is missing. Yeah. He might be involved in Spider-Man things because he is Spider-Man. Hi, I am Miles' mother. I have no filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is just a weird issue. This is... I've read Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man from the original one uh, through Miles Morales. The first one where it's like, I, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> I don't understand this. He's uh, writing Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's and that's fine. It's it's not terrible, but it also it comes it comes after a run of a few issues where there's not been, if I'm remembering right, a huge amount of Spider-Man action because yeah, he had to deal with the aftermath of Civil War II and then go straight into Secret Empire where he was in hiding. There's also a thing in here that I found interesting. This is the one part of it I, I found interesting. Genki is is very quick when Miles is all like, you know, F this, I shouldn't have to do this. I'm Spider-Man. I have $500. I'm going to go to Chan. Yeah, go. And then, you know, not like I'm going to talk you out of it. Not like let's let's think these things through. I understand. You know, talk to me, man. It's no, no, nah, go. It's like Genki knows it, once he gets over there and shit goes sideways, he's going to want to come home. He's gotten it the fuck out of his system. But 
On the other hand, there is also a piece that suggests to me that deep down, Yankee would like a break from this shit for a little while. As much as he's <laughs> trying to sort of live vicariously through Miles, through the text messages, there's a whole stream of them near the end. It's like, you know, suddenly all I can think about is I'd like to be in an improv troupe. Yeah, I want to do it. I want to be in an improv <laughs> Don't do it. There's no future there. Oh, but the point being that like, if he doesn't have to worry about being Miles' wingman because Miles is halfway around the globe, he can live his own fucking life. But even that execution <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense because by agreeing to run interference for Miles, and, and that is the only thing that we can imagine standing between Miles and his identity being thrown out in public as a massive missing persons yes. search goes on, is this one kid. And the, he's made his life infinitely more difficult. Somebody, it's not like you can just go missing <laughs> if you have a background like Miles, eventually, no matter how estranged your parents are, they're going to come asking. Somebody has paid tuition, which means somebody is taking attendance at these classes that yeah. he's missing. Yeah. He's made his life more complicated. And if he's made his life more complicated in the issue of, or in the pursuit, rather, of making it less complicated, that doesn't make any sense either. No. And here's my final thought on this book before we start talking about the other book. If I find out, so help me God, that the mystery person behind the computer messages to Miles leading him on this whole, like, all will be revealed fucking thing is Madam Web, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I need to see that. I am I'm, I can live a long and fulfilling life without seeing Madam Web again. But that's what this feels like it's going toward. Yeah. No, we saw Madam Web in, uh, what, Spider-Verse? Yes. That, that was the last time I, that I can remember off mm -hmm. the top of my head. And that was plenty. Yeah. Pause for segue. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, we have a segue. No, we don't. No, uh, <laughs> we don't. Uh, but speaking of verses. Oh. This is kind of a segue. It is. Uh, Venomverse, number one, uh, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Ebon Coelho. Like <laughs> I with a B. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, lots of venoms. This has been episode 160. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Venomverse, just like there was Spiderverse around this time last year, wasn't there? It was <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. One, I think. It, it, every event segs into the next event, segs into the next event. It could be yesterday, it could be three years ago. I've lost all sense of time. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's, it was a big deal a few months ago that Eddie Brock is Venom again. Uh, it's Venom is one of those weird characters that was so goddamn exciting when he first debuted in the mid-late 80s, uh, designed visually by Todd McFarlane. Because, yeah, it took a couple of elements of really beloved 80s stories, uh, the symbiote costume and uh, the Sin Eater uh, mm -hmm. arc, and put them together to create something really fearsome and unique that Marvel almost immediately said, uh, what, we can grind this into the dirt? We can just <laughs> beat this horse until it becomes some uh, other kind of weird mutated thing? It, if there is a single Marvel character, I can't, uh, that's hard to say. I was going to say, if there's a single Marvel character who is emblematic of the excesses of the 90s, it's Venom, but I don't know, I'd say... Cable Deadpool could be up there. Uh, the difference is Deadpool really feels like he hit his stride in the last 15, 18 years, uh, whereas Venom played his string out early and they realized, oh no, he can't be a villain. Let's make him a lethal protector. Let's uh, make, make a him whole... an anti-hero. Right, let's make a bunch of Venoms. Let's uh, make a toxin. Let's make a carnage. Oh, everybody's sick of that? Let's make an anti-Venom. Let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's drop symbiotes on everybody. And I'm, I've been venomed out for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the most interesting venom I've seen recently was the, uh, the Rick Remender uh, where Flash Thompson was yeah. venom. And even that, you know, Rick Remender and his, he often has about seven issues before and then it goes things get weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I sort of fell out of that one, but it was all right. It's something new to do with this played out concept. This is just more Eddie Brock, and yeah, we just put symbiotes on everybody. And that was a video game on Xbox 360. Yes. I think it was Spider-Man Web of Shadows. Yep. Which 
I played and didn't finish because I got bored with everybody being a Venom. And that was in a situation where I, I was Spider-Man. That's as good as it's going to get. The premise of this book is that why Eddie Brock is widely acknowledged to be a host that makes the symbiote worse. And if you give the symbiote a better host, then they can... The, the symbiote in and of itself is not evil. It's it's the intent of the host. And they're trying to say, in this particular book, sometimes the host can be even worse. And it comes down to, yep, we've got all... Doc, Dr. Strange plus symbiote in a multiverse has pulled together all of the symbiotes with their various hosts across the multiverse because there is a predator out there that is hunting symbiotes. Gee, didn't we have a Spider-Verse where we had to gather all of the spider people of the multiverse together because there was something out there hunting spider people? Yes. And it's basically that. But here's the premise for, for why we have the symbiotes coming together and here's who their hunters are. They call them the poison. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they're little creatures that can imitate uh Something that gets to you. I think they should have just had Brett Michael. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Nobody would cross the street to touch Brett Michael. Not since 1988. <laughs> Brett Michaels. Yes. Brett, Brett Michael might Brett be a sportscaster. That guy my... with the hair. <laughs> well prepared, prepared episode this week. Um, but as for Eddie Brock, it was a child, and he's always he's a lethal protector, so he'll try to protect a child. And for Peter, it looked like Aunt May. And it's first of all that you know, oh, there are certain hosts that uh, make the symbiotes uh, evil. That that's bullshit. The whole concept of venom came from Peter. Mm. You know, good Peter Parker with great power comes great responsibility. Found himself losing control over the symbiote and had to go get help to get it off of him right. to save his own sanity. So that basic idea at the core of this book doesn't fall into continuity so, at all. So Cullen Bunn came to the the Marvel Writers Retreat and said, so what if we fundamentally rewrite the whole concept of the symbiote? Nobody will notice, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> look, even regardless of that, this... I brought Fritos. <laughs> this is what what should make this book interesting is oh all these Marvel carriers but with symbiotes and it's all shit we've seen before. Yeah. Look, Wolverine's got a symbiote. Saw that in a video game. Look, um, Captain America has a symbiote. We just got done with Hydra Cap. You should be fine with Weird Cap. The, uh, yeah, Dick Murderous Cap. It's, <laughs> all right, fine. I've I've seen it before. That that's fine. Uh, the the newest thing in this was okay. We've got symbiote Deadpool because Deadpool. Deadpool will be in everything. Well, and also Cullen Bunn used to write uh, the the Deadpool um, Mercs for Money, and the I believe the artist worked with him on that. Oh, hey, and and that's great. Uh, Deadpool doesn't do anything in this particular issue. I believe he's still alive at the end as they start killing off yep. these alternate versions. So I'm sure he'll get something to do in the second one because hey, you don't want to shoot your Deadpool wad all in one shot. No, no. Uh, but what what else do we have here? Uh, fucking symbiote rocket raccoon who's been screaming for that <laughs> somewhere there's a furry with latex paint who the, it's it's scratched that particular itch the but. fritos were for the pot that cullen bunn clearly also brought to the marvel writers retreat <laughs> <laughs> so look if you're an old school venom fan and and that's i suppose part of it it's if you were a kid reading lethal protector and now you're in your 30s still reading comic books, this is that nostalgic itch that they're probably going for, and it probably means something to you. When Venom started to really get played out and was in everything with foil covers and Lethal Protector, I was in my mid to late 20s and didn't have all the money in the world and didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So I am probably not the target audience for this, even though I have, and treasure my, I have, uh, what is it, Spider-Man... Two ninety nine yep. is the first appearance of Venom. I have it. I've got Spider Man three hundred that I bought off the spinner rack at Fernandes Supermarket in southeastern Massachusetts. Although I'll say this: in true nineties fashion, there are no fewer than five variant covers for this issue. Well, that's a whole one of which is Todd McFarlane. That's a whole goddamn. <laughs> Did McFarlane do one? Um, yes, but not the one that we have. Well, that's fine. I've 
I've got all the McFarlane venom I need in those couple issues. But somewhere out there. Uh, variant colors are a whole colors. Variant covers are a whole different thing. We've got the Marvel Legacy stuff coming out with oh, you've comic store owners have to order like double their regular orders of books and you get like one or two lenticular covers to give to the I'm just I'm not a variant cover guy. Variant covers are part of what almost killed comics in the late 90s. And over the last eight or ten years, they've become this thing again. Yeah. That is, who gives a shit? It's well, the story that matters. The only reason I bring it up is, given that the story is is meh, unless you're a hardcore 90s Venom fan, the only reason to collect this is to go out of your way to try to find the McFarlane variant cover so you can have new McFarlane Venom art. <laughs> I, I, I don't need it. <laughs> I know, but that, that's that's the only reason I can think of to <laughs> steal one of his baseballs. He'll do it for you for free <laughs> for ransom. <laughs> Pause for a little cranky, little cranky. <laughs> yeah, it's these just felt like these these two issues, and part of it was this week was so busy. I still haven't gone through all the books this week. <laughs> But these two issues sort of felt like, all right, we're, we're back with Marvel just not quite knowing what to do. And DC has been there recently. The, this whole vanishing point slash generations thing feels very much like what DC did with Convergence. Yes. Uh, <laughs> where, all right, we'll just throw everything back together. That'll make you happy, right? The difference is DC did that as a gimmick so that they didn't have to put out new books while they moved across the country. Yes. And took a lesson from it of, oh, no, people kind of like some of this stuff and then use that to create rebirth a year, year and a half later. Exactly. And I'm still waiting from some for some elements from Convergence that were, they were highly complimented on. Where the fuck is Ambush Bug? Yes, more Ambush Bug. Do it now. <laughs> the Ambush Bug must be what kills uh, Ozymandias slash yes! Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> yes, or at the very least, drop another Looney Tunes book, you know, Bugs Ambush Bug. Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more Ambush Bug, God damn it. <laughs> I, I'm hoping Oh, Mar- God. What? Batman Ambush Bug. Oh, yes. come on. <laughs> Joker Ambush Bug? I'm pretty sure I've got the whole uh, showcase of Ambush Bug. That's probably in there some Probably. I mean, for Christ's sake, he was originally a supervillain against Superman in action comics That's back in true. the 80s. That's true. So, <laughs> right. see, there's an example of a villain you can turn into a hero, and he doesn't have to be a lethal protector. <laughs> Ambush Bug verse. Oh, God. <laughs> this show is so fucking bad. This. <laughs> I personally apologize. I'll, I'll be better next week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, Venomverse, if you're a big Venom fan, there's probably a lot here for you. If you're a, eh, there's, it's just shit you've seen before. Yep, okay, Eddie Brock is Venom. Yep, he doesn't want to hurt kids. Yep, no, oh, he's the hunter. He doesn't care about anybody. Oh, look, it's a Venom, uh, it's a Venom Wolverine. It's a, yep, it's a Venom I, X-23. Yep, I saw it in a video game, and you know what? I also saw it in New Avengers at some point, and I think that's about when I said, you know, all right, I might be finished with New Avengers for a while. There's a Venom Black Panther in here, Venom Doctor Strange, Venom uh, Spider-Woman, a couple different, there's a two, there's, I think the... Um, one I think is Mary Jane. Yeah. And I don't know who the other one is off the top of my head. I think it's May. I think it's May Day. Uh, could be. Uh, that's the ugly truth. It didn't matter all that much to me. Yeah. Uh, yep, okay. Post-apocalypse, uh, zombie apocalypse type book, except with things that kill Venoms. Yes. <laughs> George Romero died at the right time. <laughs> all right, anything else, or should we wrap this up? I think we can wrap it up. Trust me, it's not getting any better than this. <laughs> Uh, stick with us. All these weird crises will will be over. We'll get back to doing normal shows, I swear to God. Crises on infinite home offices. Oh, for Christ's sake. What? <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll wrap it up. I'm not sure where you found this fine uh, podcast episode, but you can always uh, find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We're on Facebook. You can uh, send us messages there. Uh, we try to do some stuff there now and again uh, when things aren't falling apart before our eyes. Uh, Facebook.com slash Crisis on Infinite Midlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. We are on Tumblr, Crisis on Infinite Midlives.tumblr.com. 
You can find us on iTunes, and if that's how you uh, get your podcast media, you can certainly uh, subscribe to us there. Uh, don't review this one. <laughs> don't review this particular episode, but other episodes. <laughs> give us a review. Give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. Uh, we are on Google Play. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn Radio. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, and I think that's everything. Sounds right. All right. So, yes, we got through it. <laughs> I swear to God, next week, more back to normal. This has been episode 160, the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and derp. I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. It's got to be there somewhere. That, that's yeah, okay. It has to be there somewhere. I, I earned that. <laughs> <laughs>